You know, one of the things that I have loved here at Blackhawk at all of our sites and all of our venues as we have been coming back to being in person through these last handful of months is, uh, is meeting new people. I just love it. I just think it's so fun. I, I, for some reason, I thought that when people started to come back through the doors, it was going to be all old people, not like physically old. You get it. But, but people, people who had been a part of the church for a long time, you know? And all of a sudden now, um, there's new people coming through the doors. And it's just fantastic. I love it. I love meeting people who it's their first time walking into the church and they know very little about who it is that we are. But there's another group of people that, who I have loved getting to know during this season. It's people who are new to the building, but they've been coming to Blackhawk for a while because of everything that we have been doing online. Like, I'll meet people who say, this is my first time at Brader Way. This is my first time at downtown. Oh, but I've been a part of Blackhawk for the last 11 months because of everything going on with COVID. That's just so cool. So they, like, they know me, they know Charles, they know the series we've been going through. They might have even got involved in a life group, but now they're back at the building. It just reminds me that, like, through this whole season that we've been in, and God continues to work. He's not limited. You know, he continues to be on the move, transforming and changing lives in all sorts of different ways. And he invites us to be a part of it. And now we're headed into a season where we are back in person again, as much as we possibly can be. And in light of that, we're really looking forward to the fall. You know, I mean, this summer has been great. There are people who are all out and around and doing different things, but fall's coming. And, uh, and, and with fall, there is more and more stuff coming back online in person that we are doing as a church. And we're going to continue to do hybrid and do lots of different things online. But I just want to ask, as our church, I know that there are a lot of you who were in the game serving all over the place pre-COVID. And then COVID happened, and it sort of hit pause on a lot of the different things, different places maybe that you were serving well, as one of your pastors, I just want to ask you, would you consider getting back in the game with us? You know, as a, as a church family, our desire is to build a community in order to reach a community. Say that with me. To build a community in order to reach a community. That has never changed. That's not going to change. And in order to do that well, one, we need to build community. And I don't know about you, but any of the places that I've found to serve, I've actually built community. In other words, I've found people who I do life with that I really, really enjoy being around. And it pours into me as much as I have the opportunity to pour into others. But as we lock arms with one another and move this direction, it gives us the opportunity to reach in all sorts of different ways. And so for some of you, maybe it's outside the walls of Blackhawk that you really want to have the chance to serve, and there are all sorts of places through impact to be able to serve in the local community. That's fantastic. We want to see that happen. And maybe for some of you, you're being led to do that in our community by doing things like, uh, like welcome or greeting or ushering, like in any of the rooms that we have. Maybe for you, it's serving in, in, in high school or middle school or be kids in all sorts of places that we need that. Maybe for you, it's being uh, a worship leader or playing an instrument, doing stuff with whack or helping with everything that we need with tech, especially now that we're doing as much as we're doing online as well as in person. And it can be really easy to be around here and to think like, geez, you guys have so many volunteers. Do you really need me? The answer is 100% yes. We need you. 
Because there's something amazing that happens when we all, I say this a lot, when we lock arms as a church community, you know, lots of different places, different locations, one church locking arms to go after the heart of God to see what he wants to do in our city, in our community, in the lives of so many different people. And so I'm asking you, would you consider? All of us are looking at our schedules on what life is gonna be like in the fall because things are coming back. I'm asking you to consider putting into the things that you're doing on a regular basis serving. And at, at all of our sites, we have people who are ready to have a conversation with you this week. So if you're downtown, if you're at Fitchburg, if you're here at Brader Way, Gospel Fusion Traditions, wherever it is that you are, we've got people who are ready to talk with you. They'd love to have that conversation. And if you're just watching online right now, we have ways for you to be able to connect. You can just text right now. It, it, really, any of you can do this. Text 608 618 4003. Just text the word serve to that group and they're going to send you information. You can also right now at home or in any of your rooms, just hold up your phone to that QR code and it'll take you to a place where you can get information and you can find out more places where you can serve. But church, come on, let's, let's do this. Let's join together and see what God could do through us as we have the opportunity to serve our world, our city, our community in a really fantastic way in the midst of a time where the world needs Jesus in a huge way. So let me pray for us as we uh, start into this. God, thank you so much um, for really for the work that you've done in, in, in our lives. Thank you for this church that we get the chance to be able to call uh, home and family, and community. I know that looks different to different people. We're a large church. There are lots of people who don't know each other, but thank you for the people who we do know, the relationships that we do have, the people who we do life with. And God, as, as our church continues to move through this season of COVID and all the weirdness that's come through all of that, would you continue to lead us and guide us? And God, I pray for all of these different ministries who just continue to look for people who, who can help and serve. God, I pray that you would lay on people's hearts uh, different places to do that, that we would go into this fall surprised by the amount of people who, who are actually serving. God, I pray that, that, that a move this way wouldn't be like from a guilt trip or something like that. That's the last thing that we want. I pray that it would be from a stirring of you uh, and, and, and in the process of us serving, that we would, would gain community and that our relationship with you would deepen by the way that you see, by the way that we see you work in us and through us. So we lay this before you, God, thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together said, amen. Well, Welcome, everybody, to Blackhawk Church. I don't know if I said that earlier when we started everything, but so good to have you all here. My name is Matt, one of the pastors on staff. <laughs> Welcome to all of you actual live people in the room. So good to have you here. Hey, and do something with me. Would you join me right now in welcoming everybody who once again is joining us right now? Welcome, Blackhawk Fitchburg. Welcome, Blackhawk Downtown. Welcome to Traditions Venue. Welcome to everyone in Gospel Fusion. Everyone from Blackhawk Chinese Venue, Dijon Zimei Ping An. And welcome all of you who are watching online. We're really glad if you're on vacation or if you're at home for whatever reason, we're just glad that you're joining us. Like I said, we are one church in a lot of different locations and it's a, it's a good week. 
It's a good week. I mean, it's the, listen, it's the first week in 50 years where we can say that the Milwaukee Bucks are the NBA champions. Come on. How awesome is that? I wanted to wear this hat the entire time, but I hear you can't see my eyes when I do that, so I've got to take that off. So I'm just going to go ahead and set that right there. Go Bucks! 50 years in the making. And it was kind of fun for me to actually see that happen this year. 50 years. That's a long time. And the reason why I know that is because this year I turned 50. That's right. I hit the half century club. It's like I'm on the team practically. I mean, I just feel such a deep connection with, with the Bucks. So I turned 50 and uh, you know, I feel like the SNL, I'm 50. You know, like I should do that which totally dates me in doing that as well. Um, you know, one of the things that I notice in, in being 50, and I've noticed this actually for years now, is that um, my body just is not working the way that it used to, and, and it's not headed in the right direction. Can I get an amen from anyone who understands that world? I mean, like, I just remember the things that I used to do, and somehow I think I can still do them, and it just doesn't work the same, and I've, like, like, whenever I do anything active, you know, like, I'll go to play sports, I have to get there, like, way early to, like, stretch out and get all warm. I'm sponsored by Advil now, and I, I you know, it's just things are not working well, and, and I've found, too, that, like, I get injured easier, like, not massive injuries, but just, like, after doing something, something hurts, and it hurts way longer than it should, you know, I've got, like, creaky knees and, like, a bad shoulder from the amount of volleyball, doubles beach volleyball I played growing up and like a bad back and neck and like all of these things. And so um, over the last few years, as I've had different ailments, I, um, I've gone to physical therapists. And now, <laughs> I love physical therapists. Like, like they are some of my favorite people and the ones who I have gone to for my different things, they have been amazing. And one of the things I've noticed as I've gone to physical therapists is like they give me all of this stuff. Oh Does anyone else like you've got all this stuff at home like different? Thank you. Yes. I wasn't expecting claps for stretchy bands, but... We'll ride that train. I, you know, like I've got, I've got all this stuff here that, and, and, and so I'm supposed to take it home. They give you a workout plan or like exercise of different like stretches you're supposed to do and, uh, and, and, and things to like strengthen areas and hopefully, you know, stretch out areas. And so like for my shoulder, I know that like I'm supposed to be doing these on a regular basis, you know? Anyone else, you know this one? Pretend like I'm hooking this to the, you know, keyboard or something or I could have one of you come up and hold it and I'm just supposed to do this and then I'm supposed to go this way. Don't mind me, I'm just trying to get my workout in here. So, and, uh, and then they tell me I'm supposed to use foam rollers. So like I bought one of these. I was supposed to get this like bumpy one, which I hate hate, <laughs> full on hate. And uh, so I've got like all this stuff, okay? But here's the problem with it. In order for it to work, I actually have to do it. <laughs> like I've got these great plans. And look, I believe in physical therapists and everything it is that they tell me to do, but somehow it like, it doesn't really affect the way that I live my life. In other words, like I don't actually do the things. In fact, like I recently, I actually canceled a PT appointment um, with my guy because like it had been two weeks since I'd seen him and I hadn't done a single exercise. I'm like, why am I gonna go see this guy and waste his time, you know? Any of you, like you fall into that category? 
I think we do actually in a lot of areas of our lives. Like dentists. Dentists tell you to floss daily. Any daily flossers, you know? Okay, see, you people, you bother me. So, and you just, you raised your hands with a little too much pride right there. For if you're at home raising your hand, just put it down. So, you know, or like think about mechanics. Mechanics tell you what you're supposed to get an oil change every certain thousand miles. And yet, how many of us, we push it? Like a few weeks, you know, a couple thousand miles past the date that we're actually supposed to get our oil change. Or think about this. If you're in school, teachers, middle school, high school, into college, you know, they, like beginning of the semester, first days, it's coming up not too long from now. Sorry to bring that up. You know, and, and you're going to get a syllabus. You're going to get the plan of everything you're going to do for the semester, all of the reading, when tests are going to be, and they do that. Teachers do that in order to set you up so that you're not going to stress out and freak out for the entire semester, you know, and, uh, and, and, and yet what do you do? I hear the laugh of a teacher sitting off to my left right now. Yet what do you do? You wait till the night before and you crack open your book and you stress and you freak out as you try to get as much in your brain for a short period of time as you possibly can. You see, we believe in teachers. We believe in the people who tell us to get oil changes. We believe in physical therapists. I believe in my dentist. He goes to Blackhawk. But it, it doesn't actually affect the way that we live our lives. Why is that? That's actually the essence of what we're going to talk about today. So we are in week four of a series that we started called Rooted, where we are taking a look at the, the, the ground level theological beliefs that we have as Christ followers. And the way that we're not just supposed to you know, know about these things, but actually root ourselves into these beliefs so that when the storms of life inevitably come, it's not if, it's when, that we might be able to stand. These are the places that are roots that we gain nutrients from and we grow in our relationship with Christ in. And so, so far, you know, we've, we've taken a look at, at God. What do we believe about God? What do we believe about the Bible? That was two weeks ago with, with Pastor Charles. And then this past week, Pastor Ben got up here and talked about uh, everything with the human condition, fall of mankind, the fact that we, we separated ourselves from God and went other directions. And he ended with the idea of the thing that we need in our lives more than anything else is King Jesus. And so this week, it makes sense that we would begin to talk about what does it mean to be rooted in Jesus? And that's kind of a big one, you know, especially for us who are Christ followers. So what does it mean to be rooted in Jesus? What is it that, that our church believes? What is it that our, our denomination believes on this subject? Well, every week, we've been looking at our, our denominational statement of faith, the articles of faith. And so actually for Jesus, we're going to spend two weeks on Jesus, not just one week. And the reason why is because we want to take a look at what it means that Jesus is Lord, and then what does it mean that Jesus is Savior? So, like, in other words, who is it that Jesus is, and then what is it that Jesus did for us in light of who he is? Because before we can get to the place of talking about what Jesus did for us, we have to get to the place of looking at who he truly is. Does that make sense? We can't buy into the idea of him as our savior. We're all in need of a savior. Ben talked about that last week. We cannot save ourselves. There's no way for us to be able to do that. And so it's not just anybody who can step in to be our savior. Therefore, it's important 
for us to simply know who is it that Jesus truly is. Well, our denomination actually came up with a statement on this subject that we're going to look at for a few minutes together. Look at this. You can read on the screen. It says, we believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, fully God and fully man. One person in two natures. Jesus, Israel's promised Messiah, was conceived through the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, arose bodily from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father as our high priest and our advocate. Okay, now, I don't know about you. For me, when I read that, that, that statement there that we look at, it actually it reminds me of um, something that in the traditional church that I grew up in, we used to recite every week the Apostles' Creed. Maybe for some of you, you grew up where you're familiar with that idea, and so much of the language in that reminds me of that particular creed. That in, every week we would say, this is what we believe. Here's the thing, in that, in that creed, there's a lot that's in there. We could do a whole series on it, but there's a lot that we cover every year here at Blackhawk. I mean, you think about it with the, with the statements that, that Jesus uh, was conceived through the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Every Christmas time, we're dealing with those subjects. And then with the idea of the, the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, every year at Easter, we're covering that. But what I wanna do is I wanna focus in, actually, on two words here in this statement that I think are just unbelievably important for us to look at, and that is that Jesus is fully God. It says there in the first verse, we believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. Incarnate is a word that just means in the flesh. It's, 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 it's God with human skin on. That Jesus is God incarnate, fully God and fully man. Now, here's the thing. When, when we look back to 2,000 years ago at the idea of Jesus, there's, there's not a lot of debate on the idea that Jesus was a man. You know, I mean, when you look at writings, you know, through, just evidences of people, non-Christian and Christian, who were in contact with Jesus, there's not a lot of debate on that subject. But the debate comes in with what Jesus claimed about himself. And Jesus claimed to be fully God. See, here at Black Hawk Church, the evangelical free church that we're a part of, we believe that Jesus is fully God, 100% God. So, and, and we get this idea actually from, from scripture that we read. If you have your Bibles with you, turn real quick to the book of Colossians, Colossians in the New Testament, Colossians chapter one. We're gonna have it on the screens if you wanna pull it up on your device or anything like that. Now, here's the thing with Colossians one. Colossians 1, uh, the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul to the early church in the city of Colossae. Back at that time, this early church was being infiltrated for some different people that were bringing in false doctrines to the church. And part of the false doctrines was really a minimizing of who Jesus truly was. And so Paul was trying to refute that argument and help this early church understand who Jesus really was. And so in verse 15, that's where we pick things up. Paul says this, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. We're gonna come back to that. He is before all things 
and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Okay, now, why is it that Jesus could make peace through his blood shed on the cross? Why is it that Jesus could be savior of the world? It was because he was fully God. Paul says it this way, that Jesus is, he is the image of the invisible God. In other words, if you want to see God, all you have to do is look at Jesus. So, I mean, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the one Jesus with skin on. And it says that, I mean, really, this idea did not just come from Paul. This is an idea that Jesus actually talked about. Back when Jesus was walking the planet, at one point, he was in a conversation with his disciples. And one of the disciples, Philip, said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You see, Jesus was fully God. If you want to see God, all you have to do is look at Jesus. And the passage says, that Colossians passage, it says that all things Jesus was involved in creating everything. All things were created through him or by him, and everything was created for him. And in him, like, he has all supremacy. In other words, he was fully man, and that he was the one who could stand in our place. But he was fully God, because he was the only one who could take on the weight of the sin of all of humanity. Now, you might be saying, Matt, that's great. I get it. Jesus fully God. In fact, I, I, I buy that. I, I've heard all that before. In fact, if I'm honest, Matt, I'm probably not really learning anything right now. I mean, thanks for the refresher course, but I'm not really grabbing on to anything new. I believe that. Okay, yes. But how much of that belief that Jesus is God is affecting the way that we live our lives. In the same way that how much our physical therapists and mechanics and teachers, and how much are they affecting the way that we live? How much is the understanding that Jesus is fully God actually transforming our lives to the place where we make him Lord of our life? Okay, making Jesus Lord. <laughs> that's really kind of like a churchy phrase, isn't it? Does it just sound cheap? You just need to make Jesus Lord of your life. I don't know why I get Southern when I say that, but it just <laughs> feels right at that moment. But <laughs> So making Jesus Lord, what does that mean? Well, if somebody is Lord, it means that, uh, that we have given them control, that we have given them power and authority over us. When we are making Jesus Lord of our life, it means that we start using words that are, are, are like difficult to grab onto. It's words like submission and uh, another fun one, obedience. It means that Jesus is the one who is calling the shots in my life, not me. It means that I am giving full control 
to him. And let's be honest, we don't like giving people control. Not too long ago, um, I was having issues with my laptop computer here at Blackhawk. And at Blackhawk, we have an external company that helps us with any of our computer issues. There's a website you can go to and log on to. There's also a 24-hour help number that we can call. And so I had called this number, and a young man gets on the phone with me, and he's sitting there talking me through different things on my computer. I'm trying to figure things out. He's giving me suggestions. And some stuff's working, but we can't get it to completely work. And so he says to me, he says, uh, Mr. Metzger, I need to ask you something. Would you be okay if I took control of your computer for a little bit? And I didn't exactly know what that meant, but I was like, yeah, sure, go for it. And so he sent me something, and I punched a code in, and within seconds, all of a sudden, he had control of my machine. Have you ever had this experience? Like, all of a sudden, he's doing everything. I'm watching the cursor move around, and I'm seeing things get clicked, and stuff get typed in, and he's moving from place to place. And I'm just watching all this happen in amazement. And if I'm, if I'm totally honest with you, I kind of hated it. <laughs> like, I, like, because I felt completely out of control. Like, I knew this guy could do whatever he wanted with my machine at that time. I wanted to, like, reach out and unplug it. But I didn't even know if that would do anything. Do I throw it against the wall? Or, like, what do I do to get him out of the machine? Like, I did not like the feeling of him being in control. I liked it a lot more when he was on the phone with me making suggestions, and I was the one deciding kind of what to do. But put him in control, no, that gets uncomfortable. And that's just my laptop. (laughs) You see, Jesus desires to be Lord of our lives. And to make Jesus Lord of our lives, to root ourselves on the idea of the truth that for so many of us we believe, that Jesus is fully God, therefore he's Lord, to root ourselves in that should result in in submission, in obedience, in giving him control of our lives. The room gets really quiet. Okay, so... If we're going to take those steps, what are the practical things that we can do to actually make Jesus Lord of our lives? Well, any time that we have that conversation with our church, regardless if you're at one of our sites or watching online or here in the room, I mean, (laughs) there's just a lot of people. And so that's a lot of people in a lot of different places. And, uh, And so I just want to give a few suggestions on what that might mean for you. For some of you right now, um, you're here and, uh, This could be your very first week at Blackhawk. You know, in fact, you might not even be sure what it is that you believe about Jesus. And you're kind of freaking out right now because you're like, okay, Matt, are you serious? You're telling me that I need to be submissive and obedient to what God calls me to. And I'm not even sure I believe that there's a Jesus. And here's the thing I think that at times, honestly, I think the church has gotten this wrong. I think that there are times where we as the church have called people who are not believers in Jesus to live by the rules and regulations of Jesus. That's called legalism, and that never works well. That's church backwards. If you've experienced that before, regardless of where you went to church, that is our bad, and we are sorry about that. You see, you know the way that we saw Jesus handle that when he was walking the planet? You know what he did? He just came to people and simply said, Follow me. In the Gospels, like 13 different times, he uses the word follow me. Just, just come and follow me. In other words, just come and walk alongside me 
and see what you think about who I am and what I talk about and what I claim to be true in my life. Just simply come and see. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to buy into it all. Just simply come and follow me. Maybe for some of you, this first, the first step for you to take is just simply to follow Jesus, to take a look at the claims that he made and decide for yourself what it is that you think. That could be a first step. For, for some people here, you have been following. You've been following Jesus actually for a long time. It could have been months. For, for some people, it can be years. It can be a long process. And maybe the step for you is getting to the place of making the decision on do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Because for all of us, we need to get to the place of where we make that decision. Sometimes we can get really comfortable and just sort of going on, I'm just sort of kicking the tires of Christianity and checking it out, and I've been doing that for a decade now. No, no, no. Jesus desires for people to get to the place of deciding what it is that they believe. In fact, when he was with his disciples at a particular time, he, uh, he was having a conversation with them and, uh, and asking, okay, what is it that people are saying about me on, on the streets? And, uh, and disciples were giving him the answers of who people thought that Jesus was. And then Jesus, in a way that Jesus only can, turned the conversation towards them. And he said, yes, but in, in Matthew 16, he says this. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am. And you think about that, that's a valid question. I think that any of us need to come to the place of. Next week, when Charles talks about Jesus being the savior of the world, he's going to deal with this area more. As we all take a look at, who is it that we say that Jesus is? Come to the place of believing, of buying into who it is that Jesus says that he is. That's a step that you can take. Uh, there's another crowd that I wanna talk to for just a minute. And that is people who have come to the place where they've followed and, and they've believed. Um, and, and so you're a Christ follower. You've accepted Jesus as your savior. But maybe for you, what does it look like for you to take a diagnostic on how is your believing affecting the way that you actually live your life? In other words, this decision that you've made about believing Jesus, Savior of the world, you've placed your faith in him, you believe that he's God, you believe that he is Lord, how is that affecting the way that you live your life? In other words, how are you doing at opening all areas of your life to his lordship? Like when you think about it, does your life look any different than the neighbors and classmates and coworkers and other family members that you know who don't know Jesus, does your life look any different? You, you, could, be, you could be a Christian for, for three months or you could be a Christian for 30 years, but is, are you continuing to be a person who desires to be more like Jesus, allowing him to transform your life so that over time, doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you are a person who is, is growing, like becoming, are, are, are you more loving? Are you more gracious? Are you becoming a person who is more kind and patient and generous? Would people say about you as you've become a Christian and moved along that you are becoming more joyful? Are you a person who is allowing the work of Jesus in your life to transform you more into his image? Because see, here's a, this is a fear that I have for our church. You see, I think that there are people who could be walking around Blackhawk who they believe that there's a God and they believe that there's a Jesus. 
The fact that they believe those things makes no difference in their life whatsoever. I mean, here's the reality, people. You believe that there's a God, you believe that there's a Jesus. Well, so does Satan. You know, the, the idea that we would think that I can believe that there's a God, I can believe that there's a Jesus, but not have it affect my life in any way, that's just not what Christian living is supposed to be about. In fact, Jesus is the one who said to his disciples when he asked them that same question, what about you, later on in the same passage, he said this, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, the goal of our lives as Christ followers, once we've come to the place of accepting Jesus as our savior, is that we would take our fingers off of our lives. We would not look at life in some way like, kind of in the same way with my laptop, like someone's making suggestions and I'm making the decisions about what it is that I'm going to do or not do. Some people can handle Jesus that way. Jesus is the one on the outside making suggestions and I get to choose whether or not I buy into it or whether I ignore the things that he says. What does it mean to, to open up our lives and to give him lordship of every area? Because to follow Jesus the way that he desires to would mean that we die to ourselves and that we begin to live life the way that he has called us to live so that nothing, nothing is off limits. Our plans, our goals, our political stances, our weekends, like in other words, not just our Sunday mornings, but our Friday and Saturday nights as well. Our relationships, who it is that, who it is that you're dating. How is it that you're, you're, you're handling your relationship with your spouse? What do your relationship with your, your kids look like? You know, our, our life at home, our, our life at work, our possessions, our, our thought life, our sex life, our hopes, our dreams, our future, our aspirations, that nothing would be off the table for the work of Jesus in our lives, that he would have access to everything. So here's my question for you. You got anything that you're not allowing Jesus to be Lord of in your life right now? I mean, really, that's kind of a dumb question because, like, for all of us, we do. <laughs> you know, like, none of us is Jesus, you know? So maybe the better question is, what are the things that you're hanging on to? You got anything that you're not allowing Jesus to really step into? Back when, uh, when I was growing up in South Florida, um, uh, running around neighborhood as a kid, I was introduced by some older boys in the neighborhood to um, adult magazines, and, uh, and that kind of sent me for a long portion of my life into, uh, I mean, through middle school, high school, into college, uh, really into my 20s, even into my early 30s, like into a, a struggle with porn where, where there were like pictures that I just really wanted to look at. And I would dabble and sometimes it would be worse and sometimes it would be a little better and it was just a struggle that I continued to have in my life. Now, now here's the thing. I was a Christian like, I had, I had given my life to Jesus. I had grown up in a Christian family. My parents are watching right now. How great is it to talk about this in front of your parents? Sorry, mom and dad. I, uh, I, I, like, I had gone to a Christian school. I had decided to go to a Christian college. I was going towards full-time ministry. 
I had given lordship to Jesus of so much of my life, but there was this one little area where I knew Jesus didn't want me looking at that stuff. I knew it wasn't good for me. But it was one of these areas where it's like, Lord, okay, you got all this, but this one over here, I don't know, it's okay. You know, like, I hear your suggestions, but like, this is just gonna be mine. And here's the thing, I, like, I okay, let's be honest. I know I'm not the only one in the room who has struggled with this or struggles with this right now. I mean, statistically, it's just like, it's a whole mess of you men who like are right there with me. And it's on the rise more and more with women today. I mean, that's just reality. And so I had this struggle and, it wasn't until, I mean, I think through like the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life that I started to say, okay, Lord, if you're Lord, then my thing is to be obedient to you in every area. Where I started to stop just seeing it as like, a, a, this is mine, and he makes his suggestions, and I make the decision in giving God control of the cursor and allowing him to step into that area. That meant that I had to get open with some different people about what was going on in my life. It meant that I had to get some accountability around me. It meant that I needed, to, uh, I needed to tell my wife, Rachel, about the struggle that I was having. I needed to get open and honest about that. But here's the thing. We all have areas like this. Am I willing to, to, to actually move towards? I say that Jesus is Lord, but am I going to allow that belief to actually transform my life? If I don't, do I really believe that Jesus is Lord? And here's the thing. Are we all gonna struggle with this? Absolutely. When I finally stepped in to, to allow Jesus into this porn area of my life, was that when I became a Christian? No, absolutely not. Is that what saves me? No. Jesus saves me. It's, it's his work on the cross that saves me 100%. It's, his, it's an offer that he gives to us for free by his grace and mercy, the work that he did on the cross. That's what saves us. Charles talking about it more next week. But that area should affect everything in my life. And this struggle that we have in lordship, whether or not he has the cursor or I have the cursor, that's the struggle we're gonna be in for the rest of our lives. Until, I mean, as long as we are sinful people, we're gonna struggle because I have this desire to be in control of my life and not want to give it over to God. You know what's a passage of scripture that I love? It's one written by the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, Romans chapter seven, where he said this. He said, uh, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I mean, can I get an amen from anyone on that, that that's just like the reality of our lives in so many ways? Like, this is going to be a struggle, and I just look at that and go, thank you, Paul, because you're Paul, and you still struggled with that. If Paul's gonna struggle with lordship, maybe it's normal for us to struggle with it as well. But you know what, you know what actually I found on the other side is I finally opened up with this area of, you know, porn and uh, magazines in my life is... God's way is better. Moving the way of Jesus, man, it was just better. When I surrendered that stuff, it was like the guilt and shame and all of the stuff that came inside of that, the like hiding and secrecy of all of that. Man, the relationship I had with Rachel was completely transformed. Life just got better. But I had to be a person who was willing to, to open up my life to Jesus' lordship. 
You see, Jesus is the one who created us and knows the way that our lives are actually supposed to live. And that's the reason why he said in, uh, in the book of John, he said, look, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So I got a question for you. You got anything that you're hanging on to? What is it? You know, I want to make a challenge to, to everyone listening online, all sites, all venues this week. I would love for you to just get with somebody, a Christ follower who you know, and set up a time where you can just have a conversation, someone who you can get real with. Because for some of you, it might be an issue of porn or something like that, but some of you, it could just be like, man, I, um, I just work way too much. Or I, like, I binge Netflix so often, it's ridiculous. Or I'm just kind of mean to my kids sometimes, and I don't really have an excuse for it. You know, I mean, it could be so many different things, but it's so good for us. Maybe it's, I, I've got big plans for my life, aspirations, and I, frankly, I'm not sure God would buy into it, and so I'm just kind of hanging on to it because I want to make sure that I get what I want. You see, any of these, anything in your life that you're not putting before God, allowing him to be Lord, what would those things be? Because, like, like here's, here's reality. Handing life over to Jesus. <laughs> He's the one, think about this, who, who, who created us. We were created by him and for him. He created us. He knows us and loves us more than we can understand or imagine. That handing your life over to him, giving him lordship, it will cost you. It will cost you the life that you thought that you wanted. And in the process of it, Jesus will show you a completely new life. A life that actually is more fulfilling than you realized. A life that is not about you. A life that is about making him great. The life that you were ultimately created for from the beginning that is more satisfying, fulfilling, and joyful than you ever thought possible. The only way we get there is by opening our hands and rooting ourselves in the fact that Jesus is Lord. Let me take a minute to pray for all of us as we move through this together. Lord God, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we just admit that um, <laughs> we struggle with this area so much. It's so difficult, Father, for me not to try to grab on to... Uh, my life and think that I'm the best, it's the best when I'm in control. I pray for all of us that you would help to, to help us just to get out of that lie that we easily just buy into. God, I pray that you would help each of us to be able to take the next steps regardless if it's following or believing or really coming to the place of making you Lord. Would you show us the places in our lives that we might be hanging on to something that we might be willing to let go and lay it before you. God, thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. You created us and that you, you have great lives in store for us if we move your direction to help us to be able to see those things, that we might become the people who you desire for us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people together said, amen. amen.